One year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I want to try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon's ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. In the fur shed, this is the Trapping Today podcast, and I'm Jeremiah Wood. It is great to be here, great to have you guys here. This is episode 100. Can you believe we made it already? 100 episodes. The podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cots Bros have lures, baits, DVDs, books, all kinds of stuff. They get traps, uh, earth anchors, cables, stakes, anything you need to get started on the trap line. Check them out. Great service, great guys. We're also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Furharvesters.com. Fur Harvesters Auction is an auction house run by trappers for trappers. Send their, that fur um, all the way from anywhere in the country you could send fur. They uh, have receiving depots in a number of different states throughout the U.S. and in Canada. And these guys are trappers. They're working hard to get the most out of your fur and put it in front of a bunch of buyers internationally. So check Fur Harvester's auction out and figure out when the next auction dates are and when the receiving dates are. There's a lot going on in the fur market right now. There's a lot of changes. And uh, you're going to see some movement in the fur auction companies uh, shortly, uh, sometime in the next few months, if not sooner. So uh, anyway, just keep that in mind. I always recommend people send fur to uh, multiple places and uh, kind of hedge your bets and see what works best for you. But uh, I can tell you right now that uh, you're you're not going to have any issues with fur harvesters taking care of your fur, processing that, getting it in front of a bunch of good buyers. Uh, doing the best they can with the market that we're dealing with and you will get a check and the check will cash. All right, well, I'm very excited about this episode, but I've never really wanted to rush an episode, but you got to understand, as I record this, it is the night before opening day of fox and and coyote trapping season in northern Maine. I can barely talk, Um, so I'm pretty excited. I'll be up pretty early. I actually know guys that will be up at midnight um, and we'll be setting traps at midnight people do that believe it or not um, there's some pretty 
dedicated diehard trappers. Uh, I think I'm going to wait until about 5 o'clock myself. But anyway, uh, it'll be a short night. Probably won't get a lot of sleep. Just kind of excited. I went around the line today, and, and, and it's it's new. It's kind of new for me. It's a new area, and it's I haven't coyote trapped in a lot of years, a long time. So I'm kind of getting back into the groove of things and, and learning as I go. So I, I went through and, and dug dug out all my trap beds. I, I baited and lured a bunch of stuff to, just to get make things a little faster. Uh, all my earth anchors are in, in the places I want to set. And so basically all there is to do is go and set the trap. So that'll be fun. But let's talk first about the 100th episode of the podcast. I can't believe we made it here. I, when I first started, I never would have thought that... I. Uh, you know, 100 episodes seems like a thousand years away and wasn't even sure if I'd make it. But uh, something that I've learned over time, and I think uh, a lot of people would benefit from from this understanding, is the power of habit. And uh, I read I read somewhere where uh, somebody was saying that if you there's a certain amount of time that it takes to to do to complete a task and to uh, practice a particular thing, whatever whatever it is, whether it's brush your teeth uh, in the morning or um, you know w- whatever it just happens to be, uh, go go for a jog, uh, work out, um, particularly things that you don't want to do. Uh, and I think it was somewhere around 60 days. And they said if if you do something every day for 60 days, you will have formed a habit in your mind that is very difficult to break. And so if if you can form good habits and productive habits, you know, this can happen, uh, you see this with alcoholism and drugs, and, you know, the, it, it can it's very easy to form bad habits as well, the, sort of using the same mechanism in your brain. But uh, if you can use that uh, to form good habits... Uh, you can you can kind of get to the point where you're in the zone. And for me, if I'm not recording an episode on Saturday night, it it feels weird. <laughs> so so it's a good habit. So I've been doing it every week, and uh, this is number 100. So we're we're quite a ways in. And uh, a couple of things to do tonight. First first, what I'm going to do is go over. Uh, we're going to do the drawing. We're going to do the drawing for the Cots Bros DVD giveaway. The entire collection of Cots Brothers DVDs um, from uh, from our friends at Cots Bros. Kyle and Kellen were extremely generous in, uh, in, in donating these and they're going to send them to you directly. So these are the, here's the list of DVDs. The Flat Set Fix, uh, In the Lure Room, Cracking the Code, Skunks, The Best Investment You'll Ever Make, Glands, A Trapper's Commodity, Muskrats like Money in the Bank, Back to the Basics, New Mexico Sand Hills Coyote Trapping, In the Fur Shed, and Road Lining. I don't even have all these DVDs. I, I'm, I'm going to have to pick up a couple of them and complete my collection here. But there is one lucky survey respondent who's going to get these. And I pulled out a random number generator and I came up with Ken Sutton. So, Ken, congratulations. You win. The 10 DVDs, I will be emailing you and uh, and uh, getting your mailing address for, for Kyle and Kellen to ship those DVDs off to you. So that's exciting, and uh, I'm sure that you will enjoy. And um, thanks to everybody who 
who uh, entered into the drawing by completing that survey. I have a lot of interesting survey results to go over, so uh, I really appreciate that. And if you didn't win those DVDs, but they sound a little interesting to you, you ought to go on to Cotsbros.com and and uh, check them out and see uh, see you you know what what you might be interested in buying. They range in price between $15 and $30 a piece, so check them out. They actually ship really cheap, so it's easy to get uh, cheap cheap shipping on DVDs. So um, if you want to learn more, go go find one. Now let's get into the survey results. This is uh, pretty exciting for me because I didn't really know a lot about the audience overall, as far as you know, basic information and data. And I'm kind of a data guy. I like I like information. I've I've always felt that. Uh, there's a, there's an old timer that gave me a lot of advice over the years, and and he said information is power, and he said knowledge is power. So so the more you can learn, the the better, the more effective that you can be in whatever you want to do. So if what I want to do is provide a quality podcast product for you guys every week, um, and in order to do that, I need to know a little bit more about you. So we had quite a bit. Of uh, quite a few respondents here, and I'm going to go over some of the averages for the survey. So the first question on the survey was, "How old are you?" And I, this this was quite interesting because we know that the trapping community overall is is very old. Uh, you know, there are a lot of old trappers that that are still around from back in the the fur boom days, the guys that got started in the 70s and the early 80s, and those are probably the majority of trappers. I think the average tr- age of uh, there was a survey that's that looked at average age of trappers, and it was it was definitely over 50. Um, I can't remember the exact number. It was a recent survey, but but in general, trappers are are an older demographic. However, trappers that listen to podcasts maybe not so much. So the average age of the people who responded to the survey was 39, which is kind of interesting because I'm 35, so that's that's right in the range. And the minimum age was 21, maximum 66. We had a couple guys at 66, and hats off to them for uh, tuning in, uh, guys or gals, I don't know what they are, but uh, hats off for tuning in uh, at, at that age and learning new things because uh, if you're 66, the internet really hasn't been a lot around for a lot, a lot of your lifespan necessarily, so uh, it's cool to see guys that that um, that continue to learn and and try new things and and listen in to a 35 year old podcast. Er, <laughs> all right, state. What state do you live in? Uh, I thought, okay, I'm from Maine. I talk about Maine all the time. This is going to be a Maine heavy audience, and it wasn't. the uh, The number one state. Uh, for uh, listeners was Wisconsin, believe it or not. But these are all like right, there's a bunch of them here that are right neck and neck with each other that are somewhere around, uh, oh, six, six, seven percent of the respondents. And uh, we have Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Maine, Michigan, Iowa, Indiana. So those were all, those were all up near the top. And just working our way down, uh, Canadian provinces, we had um, quite a few people from Canada. And then we'll just work our way down New York, Idaho, Utah, Ohio, Illinois, Oklahoma, Montana, Kentucky, Alabama, Wyoming, West Virginia, Washington, Vermont, 
New Mexico, Maryland, Kansas, Georgia, Arkansas, Alaska. We go all the way down, and uh, we don't have any listeners from California or well, or Connecticut. I know there's a listener from Connecticut. He just didn't answer the survey. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, those are the states. It was interesting there that there was a wide, wide, wide variety. It's people from all over the country, not just um, not just the Northeast or Maine. How many years have you been trapping? This this really surprised me. So I broke this up into um, one to five years, six to ten, eleven to twenty, twenty to thirty, uh, thirty-one to forty more than 40 and then I had uh, less than one year trapping or you've never trapped so I kind of wanted to get an idea of people who are are listening to this podcast for the first time they've never trapped before and they want to get going um, compared to the people who've been trapping for a very long time and are very experienced and maybe aren't as interested in the beginner how to trap and all that stuff uh, because I'm, I'm always cognizant of that I, I I hate to talk about things that um, most of the audience is just going to breeze over and say, I already know, I already know that stuff. You know, there's nothing new here and stop listening or not be interested. Um, but I also don't want to talk uh, too advanced in, in this. I, I don't think anything I that I talk about is, is super advanced anyway, but um, sometimes people who have just gotten started need to un- get a better understanding of the basics before they can move on to more of the complex topics that we get into with trapping. But this was a surprise for me. 43% of the audience has been trapping between one and five years. So we've got a lot of young trappers, average age of 39, and we've got a lot of trappers that have been trapping for less than five years. So these are people who are relatively new to trapping, who are just getting going. They have a little bit of experience under their belt, but they probably have a lot to go. Uh, 20.7% was 6 to 10 years, uh, followed by 11% would have trapped between 11 and 20 years, 9% have trapped less than one year. So we got nine, almost 10% of people uh, that haven't really trapped, never trapped in less than one year. You know, that's uh, 10% of the audience is not trappers yet. So that's exciting. We're, we're recruiting new people, I hope. <laughs> and uh, 5% have trapped for more than 40 years. So we've got some, some very experienced trappers in the mix as well. Now, which fur bearer species do you trap for? This was a question. I had two questions here, and one of them I wanted to get at just overall what was the more common species if you could select everything that you trap for. Because I didn't want, you know, if if everybody just their number one species was coyote, then you wouldn't be able to see, you know, the second, third, fourth uh, species that those people trap for wouldn't show up in the survey results. So I had one question where you could just put click everything, select everything that you trap for, all species, and then a follow-up question where of those species, which one do you spend the most time on? So of the species, the question were, what fur bear species do you trap for? Select all that apply. Um, The most common that came out of that uh, was the coyote. So, So basically, most everybody traps for coyote. Very high percentage of people trap for coyote. Doesn't uh, isn't a big surprise because coyotes are pretty much everywhere um, and they're very common. Um, second to that, 12% uh, 
and prevalence in species that people trap was raccoon. Um, that was followed by beaver, fox, and muskrat. And then we get into uh, a lot smaller. Bobcat was next, and then a much smaller percentage was possum, weasel, wolf, marten, fisher, uh, skunk, and otter. And then the follow-up question, which species do you spend the most time targeting when you're trapping? And number one by far, far and away, was the coyote. 40.5% of people spent most of their time trapping for coyotes. Second place was uh, beaver at 17%. So we went from 40% of coyotes all the way down to 17% for beaver. I'm sure that has something to do with the coyote market as well. Uh, coyotes are worth a lot right now and beaver aren't worth anything, essentially. Um, follow, following beaver were raccoon at 16%, so very close, coon and beaver. And then we get a big drop off, 6.9% for muskrat, 5% for bobcat, um, and then we've got fox, mink, fisher, marten, lynx, uh, wolf. Now, on average, the next question, how much money do you spend each year on trapping supplies? So this was kind of one I threw in for... Uh, getting an idea of, uh, you know, if we're, we want to talk to advertisers and, and let them know, okay, we've got these listeners and they spend this amount of money on trapping supplies. Um, so this is kind of an audience that w would benefit from advertising uh, if you're a trapping supply company or wh whatever. I just, I wanted to get that data. I thought it'd be interesting uh, for, to, to use in the future maybe. And it was all across the board. <laughs> um I put, uh, what did I put? I put $300 a, a year, and I, I, I've spent, the last couple of years, I've spent a lot more than that, but I I think three, like long-term average after, because I, you know, I, I, my first shed burned down, I lost it. First, I moved back here, and I started trapping again, and I had to resupply everything, so I spent a lot of money there. My first shed burned down, I lost everything, I had to resupply again, <laughs> so so I've been really, and then I'm getting into lure making and everything. So I, I've really been um, spending a lot, but I figure out long term, probably 300 is a good number for me every year. And uh, people varied all over the board. So um, one one person responded, all of it. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that's really what I was looking for, but um, I'm going to rattle a few off. I got $500, 200 500 1000 sometimes more, sometimes less, 200 Easy 700 plus, 1,000, 200, 250, 150-ish. Let's, let's see, uh, 100. Uh, this person almost nothing, so they're pretty uh, low low expense on their trap line. Uh, on the very next response was 1,200, so uh, big difference there. Um, this one, first season uh, trapping, have about $50 so far, spending more as I get ready for the upcoming season. That makes sense. 150 to 200, 500, 150, um, all depends, uh, around 200, 100, boy, we got all kinds of responses. <laughs> this one person says, wow, I don't even want to do the math on that one, a lot. <laughs> this other person, depends if you're asking me when my wife is standing next to me. <laughs> I would say roughly 500 recently, been trying to upgrade. 100, 200, 300, 500, 800, 300, to 400, 200, 500, uh, 400, 
three, five, two, thousand, a thousand, a hundred, two hundred, five hundred to a thousand, hundred, two hundred, hundred. So we're all over the map, but basically people are spending in the hundreds at the very least. So that's that's very uh, very interesting information. Now, where do you sell your fur? So this one had particular interest to me because, uh, you know, I've got the the book that I wrote, Fur Profit: A Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market. You can pick that up at trappingtoday.com or any of the major trapping supply dealers like Cotsbros, PCS Outdoors, Fur Harvester, uh, Fur Harvest, F and T Fur Harvesters Trading Post. Um, you can get it from. You can't get it from Minnesota. They didn't want to buy any, but um, you can get them from F and T and uh, pretty much most places you want to go. You can go to Amazon and you can get that. Uh, you know, twelve dollars free shipping. So um, th- that book kind of gives people a general idea of where to get started with the fur market, how it works, and where you can sell your fur, and and how to get. You know, how to kind of navigate that decision-making process and understand what type of fur gets sold and how that all works. So the other thing, you know, related to this question is uh, Fur Harvesters Auction is a sponsor of the podcast. So obviously I'm encouraging people, if you don't send fur to Fur Harvesters, don't necessarily send all of it there, but maybe start trying to send some in that direction. So, um, I wanted to see where people actually sell their fur, and so there were quite a, there are a few different options here. Number one is I haven't sold any fur, and I figure you know there's some there's a lot of beginner trappers. There's people who trap and maybe don't catch a lot of fur. Uh, maybe they never plan to catch a lot of fur because they just don't spend a lot of time. It's more of a hobby. There are people who catch fur and they have other uses for it. They want to get it tanned. They want to make hats, mittens. Uh, things like that, and so they they haven't found the need to sell fur yet. Um, of course, there's a lot of people that sell sell a lot of fur because they just catch way too much uh, to to be able to use it all themselves. And we want to pay, so a lot of people need to pay money, pay the bills, pay the gas money, pay for the traps, all those hundreds of dollars spent on trapping supplies. So um, the other options here are. A local buyer, so some people still have local fur buyers around. A lot of us don't. Um, it's been very difficult for local buyers, and a lot of them have kind of gone away. Uh, the two major auction houses, North American Fur Auctions and Fur Harvesters Auction, so you had those two choices. Uh, state Association, so a lot of the state trapper associations have uh, auctions or fur sales. A regional buyer, that would be someone like Grownwald Fur and Wool or Petska fur or um, somebody like that 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 buys in multiple states or does does routes or you can mail your fur to them and then direct to consumer if you actually make a finished product and sell say beaver mittens at the store or something so the top response believe it or not was haven't sold any fur so what I'm thinking is those people who have trapped who are listening to the podcast and have trapped from one to five years have probably not caught enough fur to actually send a bunch of it out uh, to auction. So, or they're making stuff themselves, um, or you know they have other uses for it, but they haven't sold fur. So that's very a very interesting um, thing that I really wouldn't have thought of um, uh, about the audience. So that's that's really good to know. The second most um, 
common response was a local fur buyer, believe it or not. So there are people who are still selling local buyers, and that's great to hear because where I live in Trap, it's very difficult to find a local buyer. You can find, occasionally you can find one traveling up in the area, um, but it, it's not as convenient as it used to be. So, so that's good to hear that people are still doing that. The third response was North American Fur Auctions at 14.7%, and uh, Fur Harvesters Auction was behind them at 9.5%. So NAFA is, you know, NAFA is a bigger company. They've got uh, receiving areas all over the country. They got a big network there, and a lot of promotion, and they have a lot of people working with them. So they um, obviously a lot of people send to NAFA. I used to send uh, my fur to NAFA, then I started sending to both places. Um, if you haven't heard the news, NAFA just sent out a letter today um, that they're having issues. And uh, a lot of people had bounced checks and they were not able to receive financing. So um, I don't know what's going to happen. They may be out of business. I, I don't want to spread rumors or anything. I don't want to, you know, but um, maybe they'll find a way to get financed and keep on running and in most importantly in my opinion is pay the trappers and the ranch ranchers who have fur there that sold but uh, anyway that's that's a big question mark so we're not really sure what's happening there but but they have been the leader in the fur auction and they've done a, a very good job for a lot of years before this these recent uh, times so so a lot of people send to NAFA um, not as many to fur harvester but but I think that number is growing and and again, if you have any questions about shipping to fur harvesters for the first time, um, if I haven't explained that adequately, and if you can't find what you need at furharvesters.com, just send me an email, jrodwood at gmail.com, and I'll try to hook you up with that information. Um, regional buyer like Grunewald's, 7.8%, uh, so that's a little lower than I expected. Um, and then state association or state auction was uh, 12%. Finally, a very small percentage was direct-to-consumer. Where do you buy most of your trapping supplies? Now, if you asked overall the entire trapping community where they bought their supplies, you'd probably get a lot of different responses. It would probably be different than this response uh, on this survey because this survey is obviously a podcast listening audience, so and it's, it's a younger demographic. But this is interesting to me, and it... It really tells uh, tells me where we're headed because the 38-year-olds uh, in 10 years are going to be 48 and 10 more years are going to be 58. Um, these are the people who are listening to this podcast are kind of the future of trapping. Um, and 61% of those people that respond to the survey buy their trapping supplies from online trapping supply companies. So that's people like... Uh, F&T, Minnesota Trapline, Cots Bros, PCS Outdoors. So all the companies that used to be major mail order catalog companies have shifted to online, and it's this big, um, this big competitive area of online trapping supply um, sales. And um, really, all of the major ones, I, I've heard nothing but good things about all of them. Of course, I prefer Cots Bros because they sponsor the podcast and they've supported me for a long time. But, uh, but really, you know that it's it's a it's a business that we as trappers are very fortunate to have. Where in this industry we have so many good suppliers that 
that they have to have quality service because it's so competitive. And if somebody uh, drops the ball a little bit and they stop shipping on time, they, they're out of stock and the uh, products aren't high quality, then uh, they're out of business because everybody else is going to take over their business. Um, the second most common response was trapping conventions, uh, but 61% of online trapping supply companies, trapping conventions uh, was 18%. And then 12% still buy trapping supplies from a brick-and-mortar uh, shop or retail store. 7.8% buy it from mail-order catalog. So the the listening audience is not using those catalogs, even though uh, we get thou there's thousands of dollars spent on catalogs being sent out um, to a lot of places. Um, I, there is some value in a catalog uh, because you know I I do sometimes like to look into look through a catalog before, and then I'll go shop. I'll go buy, like, like I'll look through a catalog and then I'll go online to actually make the purchase, but the catalog is a little easier to browse through. Um, I don't know if any of the companies have, uh, like, an online uh, digital version of their catalog. That'd be kind of interesting. That'd be, that'd be good to have. Uh, might might help be free, essentially free for them once it was formatted, and then uh, people could kind of browse through that way and then just pull up the stuff on the site. Sometimes when you're shopping on an online trapping supply site, things can get a little clunky, and uh, and you got to click, you know, clicking forward, clicking back, stuff's loading back and forth. So if you know what you need, uh, oftentimes it, it goes a lot quicker. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where things are where things are going. So that's good to hear. Now, which sources do you rely on most for trapping information? So this was my attempt at trying to get. Uh, get an idea of where people are consuming because what I'm providing in the podcast in my opinion is information news information entertainment it's just it's uh, that that's what it is I'm, I'm not providing a physical product unless you want to buy my book or my lure or whatever but uh, I'm, I'm really providing news information and entertainment and so I wanted to see where I fit and where where people are getting their information and uh, what percentage of people are getting information from one source versus another uh, just it, it, it gives me a better idea of, of what people are looking for you know I I have I run a website trappingtoday.com I have now have a podcast I have a YouTube channel where I'm putting up videos I, I do have I had an Instagram I'm, I'm not very active on that but uh, that's all to say that um, where am I best spending my time? And of course, this is going to be biased because this is a podcast listening audience. So I expect you to be, I expect the top response to be podcast, but um, it's a self-selecting group. But that being said, uh, obviously podcast was number one, but not by much. So tw uh, I let people select, you select your top three. And the options were podcasts, YouTube, trapping websites, uh, message boards like Trapper Man, books, magazines, Facebook, your state's uh, law book, your state agency's website, or your trappers, state trapper association's website. And so the number one of these podcast listeners, the number one most chosen source of information was podcasts at 23%. But very, very close, just right neck and neck, and it could have been almost a tie, at 22.1% was YouTube. So you guys are getting by far, you're getting your trapping 
information from podcasts and YouTube. So that's very good to know. Um, the third is trapping websites like Trapping Today. Um, that's the third most common, and the f and that's at 13%. So it's quite a drop from uh, from the podcasts and YouTube. And then number four at 11.5% is uh, message boards and forums like Trapper Man. Uh, then after that, we get down quite a bit. Books are 9.5%. I still get a lot of information from books. Um, magazines at 8.3. Um, kind of surprising though that that's a lot lower than I expected. You know, we've got we've got uh, Trapper Predator Caller, Trapper's Post, Trapper's World magazines that are still going. And uh, and and I I think this personally, like a little bit selfishly, I guess, is I'm thinking like, okay. If I look through a trapping magazine and I look at the number of advertisements that are in that those magazines, and some are better than others, but really there's dozens of advertisements in every magazine. And you go to trappingtoday.com website and there's like three advertisements. And the podcast uh, right now we have two advertisers. So they the magazine just naturally lends itself to having more space for people to advertise and so they have you know there's a better opportunity to get a lot of revenue in the magazine model you get people that are paying subscriptions that essentially you know probably I'm guessing covers the cost of printing the magazine and then your money is in the advertisement um, but but we're getting a lot of eyes here on podcasts and YouTube and so um, uh, compared to magazines so so I'm I'm guessing that over time you know, if the overall trapping community, uh, no doubt, is is a much higher percentage getting information from books and magazines. But obviously, uh, podcasts and YouTube are are what's happening in this younger trapping generation. Now, this was probably my favorite question, number ten, the last question. This was an essay type, so you could write as much as you wanted, and um, it was, "What is the biggest thing you struggle with on your trap line?" And my answer, I, I went through this survey before I, I uh, launched it, and I, I mine was time. And my time, 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 having enough time to trap, managing time in between all the other responsibilities. And I figured that would be the top response, and I, I, that was an understatement. It was far and away, uh, by far, I didn't, I didn't actually calculate this all out, but the time, time was the biggest challenge, the most challenging thing for trappers um, without question. And if if you guys have uh, in any experience with how you manage your time, I would love to hear from me. Email me jrodwood at gmail.com because I would love to share that with other people. Ha tips and tricks, and I'm going to try to think of some. Um, I'm actually wasting a lot of time right now. I should be going to bed, getting up and, and uh, setting traps, but um, it, I, I'm going to continue to think of ways to manage my time better and become more efficient without getting stressed out. That was, you know, in the past I was just pushing, trying to do everything uh, all at the same time and not getting much sleep and not, you know, getting to relax at all. So I think there are ways to uh, to manage your time more efficiently, get more done, and also not kill yourself. So, um, so think about those things. And, and if I come up with some ideas, I will share them with you guys. And if you come up with some, let me know, and and I'll share them with the audience. So I'm gonna rattle off a bunch of answers here. I think this would be good. Um, time, 
uh, freezing water. This was that uh, was a good one. Freezing is a is a challenge. Um, non-target catches. I'm glad we had the non-target catch uh, challenge because we can deal with that. We, there's a lot of things, and I'm I'm actually going to use these responses to try and develop future topics for episodes. So uh, I I'm decided I'm going to do a I'm going to try to do some sort of a podcast episode on how to avoid non-target catches and and the best ways to do that. Uh, mud and time, keeping possums and skunks out of my sets. There you go, same thing. Time, bad weather, places to go or find location with targets. Time, this person wrote more. I work a full-time 8-to-5 office job in a city and I trap remote mountain country. That is tough. It's very difficult to have sufficient time to run a trap line in the mountains. Um, I use a combination of cellular camera monitoring, make some big compromises with where and how many traps I can set to be able to stay legal and complete checks. So um, that's that's actually a really good um, strategy um, uh, using some of this technology. Um, in my area, the biggest trouble I have is finding sign. I rely a lot on blind sets and trails through thick brush. I trap in mountainous wooded terrain in West Virginia. I'd say consistently getting on the right macro location is tough. Um, this one, lack of extra time, full-time job, nothing coming to them. I assume them is your sets. Um, we can we can talk about that. Um, this is a long response. Um, live in rural Iowa. Most of the trapping I do is for friends and families and nuisance control. I grew up on stories of my dad and uncles in the late 70s, early 80s, and all the crazy things they did during the fur boom. I just wish I could find a way to get to a break-even point where I could cover gas money. Make a lot of homemade live traps fit my needs. Um, my wife gets annoyed with the amount of time I put into trapping. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a that's a good one. It's uh, that's a tough one. Coyote locations and raccoon numbers. I inspire to put up large numbers of coon. Um, this person that was honest. This will be my far first trapping season. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> time to trap. Location. Time. Travel through bush. Time and calories spent to gain access. Yeah. Focusing on a curtain set of animals. I venture this year into pursuing my first mink a lot more, having to limit myself and focus on priorities for chosen species. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, just so many different things to uh, trap for. It's hard to focus in on on one or two. He said cur curtain was actually certain. <laughs> it should have been spelled certain. Footholds and bobcat is one of this guy's challenges. Um, good, I I could point you to some resources maybe. Time, never enough of it. Between a full-time job, my business, and having a young family, it's tough. Finding time due to work, getting permission for land. Location, first with location on a specific farm, and then gaining access to more farms with more numbers of animals. Deep freeze, January, February. Uh, this is a good one. I get discouraged if I don't catch anything right away or if it takes several trap checks, which makes me second-guess location, bait, lure, etc. So my fix is to start making more sets, but the quality of sets seems to go down because I focused on making more sets instead of better sets. This is the mental aspect of trapping, and, and I struggle with this so much. Um, for I struggled Martin trapping so, so much um, with this, and checking and checking in empty sets, empty sets so, so, so often. And um, it, a lot of it was I I really f started to figure out 
that I just wasn't in good Martin country. And the animals just weren't there. I, you know, there were a lot of issues with refusals as well, but the animals just weren't there. So, so that is a, a big part of it. And, and understanding and realizing that and spending more time on location can often help. But there is something about, you know, trying to have the mental stamina of going and sticking to it when you probably should stick to it and understanding when you should stick to it and when you should pull and move and do different things. So that's a, that's a good topic. Maybe at some point we can dive deep on that. I'm not really sure how to navigate it. it it's so complex, but mental stamina in trapping is a big deal. Uh, theft, worrying about getting hassled if the catch is seen or found. Um, trying to thinking too much out of sight, out of mind. Um, yeah, that's I, I hear you, man. Not enough time. Being efficient, getting sex made. Uh, and on to the next one. Time. We work full-time and trap. Yeah, me too. Putting up numbers I know are there. I think overtrap properties will be getting more properties. Uh, time. Time to sit out longer lines and more traps. Balancing family work and trapping gets to be hard. Blending. Blending sets. Catching things. <laughs> okay, that was quick and simple. Freeze and thaw, then refreezing tends to freeze the whole trap up. Picking the right locations, freeze and thaw. Oh, what to do with the fur afterwards? How to best market it? Should I sell it green or skinned? Well, I hope you have fur profit. So that's the first step is buy the book. And uh, then we can get into those other questions. Coyotes and land to trap. High water wreaks havoc on a part-time trapper. It absolutely does. All right, well, I think that's about it. All I'm going to do, I've got tons and tons more of these uh, responses but uh, we could we could read them all night um, but they're they're all basically the same thing um, the biggest thing is time but there's a lot of other interesting things that uh, that people are struggle with and I hope we can find ways to help you with that that'd be good now I'm gonna do something a little bit selfish <laughs> we are getting into about 40 some minutes into the episode by the way I forgot to mention I hope you enjoy the song so I I decided for episode 100 about a month ago I decided that I was gonna do put together an intro song for the podcast I I initially I felt that it wasn't you know I I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it and I just wanted to get the podcast out, get the content there for people to listen to. But I felt like I had a good enough base of information and back episodes of the podcast that I could go into, um, you know, and, and pull clips from different interviews and different people and and make something interesting. So I've heard radio shows in the past where at the beginning of the show, they'll have a little music in the background, they'll be playing uh, different audio clips from things that have happened, say news that happened during the day, and so on. And so I thought, well, what the heck? I'll I'll try that. See what it sounds like. So I I listened to a bunch of the old episodes and and where I would find uh, mostly the interviews I did with trappers and where I would find something that I thought was pretty interesting or just a a sort of sound clip, a, a little soundbite where that it would I thought would sound cool. Um, I I clipped it out and saved it and I I got about I don't know 30 20 or 30 of those together and I started to piece them together to where they made a little bit of sense uh, maybe a little bit of entertaining and interesting to people so 
that's what we ended up with, the song. So I, I don't know if I played around with the audio levels a little bit. I, I know it's not perfect. Sorry, but hopefully uh, you'll you'll enjoy it. And uh, if people enjoy it, we'll probably I'll probably keep it uh, on the front of the podcast for a while. But I'm going to do something selfish. I'm going to duck out tonight. I was going to go through a bunch of the previous episodes and just talk about, you know, generally uh, the things that we learned and, and all that. But I think I'm going to save that and we'll, we'll do that in, uh, in the future, uh, in the coming weeks at some point. And uh, I, I do want to go back and, and highlight a bunch of the things that um, have we have covered and the people that we've interviewed, because a lot of people I know are just starting to listen. Um, obviously, our you know our listenership has doubled in the last few months, so people are just starting to listen and probably haven't gone through all the back episodes. So I thought that I could uh, give you some of the take-home points and some of the highlights so that you could decide uh, which ones you want to go back and listen to. But anyway, if until then, why don't you go back and listen to some of them and... and uh, and get into it. Here's some of the interviews. There's a lot of valuable information. There's a lot of great stuff, uh, great trap and talk back back there. There are now a hundred of them, and you can listen to them all for free, every single one of them. So uh, anyway, with that, I've got a Stan Zaray interview coming up about the show Yukon Man, talking about how that um, how that was and his experiences behind the scenes. And we have uh, Chris Pope from Coyote Trapping School. I interviewed him, and uh, we'll put, be playing that as well. I'm trying to get a few of these loaded up bef- uh, while I am trapping so that uh, it's not too hectic to get an episode up um, when I've, I'm gone all day. But um, anyway, stay tuned for that stuff. i got to go to sleep. i got to get to bed and, and get out and set some traps in the morning. So um, keep on thinking trapping. Keep on talking trapping. If your season is open, get out there and set some traps, and we'll catch you on the next episode.